are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. I sort of feel like Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, uh, Sammy's gone. Uh, Stephen's gone. Bill Prankert left me, and Paul said, everyone in Asia has left me, except T.J. Green stayed, and the band, so all have left me in Asia. Listen, if you've ever felt rejected, there's two people to look at. I mean, David's one of them, but Jesus was rejected. But you know what? So was Paul. If you were to read that scripture like I read it right before I had to preach when I was in Calgary, And God said, did you know that everybody left Paul in Asia except one family? Everyone. And and that was his biggest impact was in Asia. They all left him. He says, everyone in Asia. I had to read it about 10 times. I said, everyone? Everyone has left me. Paul wasn't quite as popular as what we think because he was a wonderful man who moved in the grace of God, who told the truth, but was misunderstood. Even John said, Paul's words are hard to understand. John said that. John said that. But they're good words, but they're hard to understand. And you see, this is why if we don't have a revelation like Paul, we'll never understand the word like Paul understood. That's why he prayed continually that we would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. I'm going to talk, we're going to take a big drink from the river that we can't see today. Um, I'm called to drink and to help people uh, in the kingdom learn how to drink. Because if you don't know how to drink and you don't know how to eat, you cannot be saved. Did you know that? Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, wow, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine that? You can't go to heaven unless you know how to eat and drink. Isn't that something? Unless you eat and drink, you can't enter in. We don't think about that. We think it's like poetry. No, it's a reality. You see, every scripture and every doctrine is a reality in the spirit, every single one. The Bible says the word of God is alive. What does that mean? That means every scripture is alive. What does that mean? That every scripture has a reality in the spirit that you can live in. And so if if you understand the reality of the scripture, and the only way to do it is to do the scripture. See, hearers are not justified before God, the Bible says. Only the doers are justified. That means all the doctrines that we say that we believe, unless they're a reality in your life, they will do you no good even if you believe them. No, no, they will do you no good in your life even if you believe. See, the church is deceived by thinking that because they believe right, they are right. Do you know that the devil believes that the Bible is true? But it does him no good. You see, we need to believe right. You see, that's the first start. But then we move from a place of faith to a place of love. Love literally, I I say this, and I mean, it it proves that on the Bible. Love is literally the highest realm of faith, literally. The Bible says uh, faith worketh by love. You can have all these other things, but if you have not love, you're nothing. That means the faith can't, it's not real. You can have faith to do this and that, but if you have not love, you're nothing. So in other words, we need to believe in God. We have to believe in God. Jesus said, believe in God. However, you're not only supposed to believe in God, you need to love God. It's a different level. A lot of people believe in God. They believe his word. But love, not so much. And it's like this. 
My wife, we've been, Shirley and I have been married 34 years. I have a wonderful wife. If you've ever met my wife, I don't know anybody like my wife. She's on fire for God. You meet a lot of people congratulate, oh, you what a great dad, you know. You need to meet my wife. You find out why Sammy's a great, you know, a lot of reasons why he's a great kid. But if I were to say to Shirley, honey, I believe I love you. You think she'd believe that? I believe I love you, honey. She wouldn't believe me. Oh, but you see, a lot of us walk with God. God, we believe we love you. No, no, no. Do you love him today? God is not a doctrine. He's a reality. You can't just believe in him and make him a doctrine. Many Christians do. They make God a doctrine that they believe in. No, he's a person that we can love. When you begin to love God, the motivation of your heart will change, and you will love people. And the things that you do, two people can do exactly the same thing. And one will be blessed and the other not blessed whatsoever. Because one moves in love and the other one just moves in obedience. But the Bible says when you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. You need to be obedient, but you need to be willing and obedient. Do we know him? See, the question is, do we know him and does he know us? That's, that's what it's all about. Do we know him? Do we know God? And does he know us? Very, very important today. Because we stack our doctrines up. And so many guys are like peacocks. They walk around, you know, I know what the words are. Well, do we know him, though? Because the reality of the word of God in a person's life will change them. Not just saying a whole bunch of words. I went to a church for years as a kid where they, the minister came up and talked about the word, quoted the word, and, you know, they prayed, didn't do anything to me. Why? There was no reality or revelation. But once the revelation comes, oh, we're going to drink revelation. You know you can drink revelation. I'm going to drink some revelation tonight. We're going to have a glass of revelation tonight. You say, come on. The, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. You can drink all that stuff. You can in the spirit, but we don't understand it. It's not eating and drinking in the natural, but you need to learn how to eat and drink in the spirit. Did you know that? Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your innermost being, the river will flow. Like Bill said last night, the, the, revival does not come out of heaven and land in a place. It comes out of heaven, hits somebody, and goes through them and comes out. Yeah. And many, many people, I know the story, and, and we were just with John Arnott last week and with Carol a couple of months ago. But uh, Randy Clark, you ever heard of Randy Clark? Randy Clark was doing worship. and uh, Pardon me, Randy Clark was preaching. And uh, God was moving, and, and, and God moved in Toronto, and they went for 12 years uh, six meetings a night for 12 years. They averaged 4,000 people a night. Wow. Conferences, 7,000 people. I mean, it was amazing. Millions of people were touched worldwide. But I was, in, um, I was in Pennsylvania at a church, and this guy was leading worship. I, I never met him before, never heard of him. We were doing a conference with Fresh Fire, and I looked at him, and, and, the, and the, the spirit of revival came in the room. And after he's done, I, I went up and I said, who are you? And he told me his name. I said, no, 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 who are you? He goes, well, I'm, you know, no, who are you? And then he knew, I bet you I was the only guy in the world that ever asked him that because I knew. I knew and he never said a word. He goes, I was with Randy Clark doing worship when the Holy Spirit fell in Toronto. And I said, that's why the Holy Spirit fell in Toronto. And you know it and I know it, but most people don't. Oh, I'll tell you, you need to walk with God. I never met this guy, didn't know who he was. It was in Pennsylvania. And I knew he was with Randy Clark. I knew he was in Toronto when the Holy Spirit fell. God told me the whole, because it came into the room. Woo, hallelujah. And you know what I did? I drank. You know what you're going to be doing in heaven? Drinking. 
out of the river, uh, out, of the, out of the throne of God, the river flows. So what's the throne of God? It's a mountain. God's throne is a mountain. As you know, that's not a chair. I think God just sits on a chair. If, if it's a chair, if the throne of God is a chair, how do they fit those living, all those living creatures in, in the chair? Because it said in the midst of the throne are the, are the four living creatures. So how do they all hide them under the chair? I don't know. How do you get them under the chair? No, God just lives on a mountain. I've seen it. I've seen the backside of them. I've been on the backside of the mountain of God. I went, I went there. I was in California. For three days, I went there. The backside of the mountain of God. I went down the water slide of God and the backside of the mountain of God. When it was all done, it was the most wonderful, wonderful thing. I saw the clefts of the rock. It was amazing. You need to go places with God. Most people are too afraid. Yeah, because they're afraid. They're afraid to be deceived. The Bible says, never tells you to be afraid of being deceived. It says, be not deceived. How, how do you be not deceived? You know his voice. How do you know his voice? You be his sheep. How do you be his sheep? Hear his voice. How do you hear his voice? Be his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. How do you hear his voice? Be his sheep. How do you be a sheep? Hear his voice. You, you may say, what is that? It's get really close to Jesus. Forget all the, uh, this other stuff. Get to know him. You're on a journey. You're in the spirit right now. If I, if I just took five minutes, because I'm sort of a, I'm a seer, right? By the grace of God, God just, sometimes I don't like to see what God shows me, but, but I have to. If I were to just stand here, even when I'm thinking about I can see the angelic realm over people, over families, because the, the, the angels over families are here. That's the good news. When I was in my room before the meeting, God said, generational blessings are here. The, the reason that you are here today, every single one of you from the front to the back, from the, every person in this building is here tonight to receive a generational blessing from God. Amen. So you're receiving on behalf of your children, their children's children and children's children's children, fathers, mothers, aunts and uncles, grandfather, you name it. God told me that. And the angelic realm is over you. You know, there's angels for everything. Everything that ails you, there's angels. Everything that's good, there's angels. God gives his angels charge over you. I used to talk about angels, and people would shut me down all the time. They'd get mad. They're like, Paul said he saw things in heaven that it was not lawful for man to write about. So you're not allowed to talk about it. You know what I tell them? John, John saw angels and talked about all of it. The whole book of Revelation is talking about. And then he worshipped angels twice. John did. Did you know the Bible says he worshipped an angel two times? And the angel said, don't do it. I was going to put stupid, but I'm sure he didn't say that. He just said, don't worship. Oh, okay. Uh, we're now, okay, so before I heed about um, ba-dum, ba-dum, da-dum, I'm telling you the glory of God is here. So is, I see the gavel coming down in a good way for your family tonight. I see judgment on your behalf tonight. I see God is going to judge on your behalf tonight. I see many people God is about to judge. I don't know why God chose tonight, but he did chose, choose tonight. That he's, his, there's a judgment coming against your enemies that have been coming against your families. And people are going to be released tonight. Family member is going to be released. That's the anointing that we, we have in our family. It, it happens every now and then. But I, a night like tonight, I don't know if I've ever had it like this. But before I, uh, what am I doing? Drinking. Wow. You know, when you speak in tongues, it sounds like you're underwater. You ever think about that? that's what it is. 
That's the rivers coming out. Wow. Oh, I'm getting an Eve rated. You say, what does that mean? Who cares? It's all good. You, you know what? You don't have to understand it all to get it all. If you're waiting to understand everything, man, you're in the wrong place. And there's a problem in the church. We want to understand it first, and then we'll do it. That is so unscriptural. Shame on you if you think that way. And so many people do. I'm sure most of you don't here, because I know some of you. But the Bible doesn't say, lean on your own understanding and then trust in the Lord. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. When I preach, sometimes my understanding goes right out the window. As well as my dignity, it goes right out the window. I lose my dignity. Glory 101, lose your dignity. You must lose your dignity if you want to get close to God. If you want to get close to the presence of God, you've got to be willing to lose your dignity. That's in the Bible. When the ark came, remember the ark was coming back to Jerusalem? David got so happy, he started dancing all over the place. His wife got mad at him, Saul's daughter. And he says, I'll be even more undignified than this. More undignified, David said. You know what the word means? I looked it up. Vile. Who cares what people think of you? Really, who? Why should we give a hoot what anybody thinks of us? Why should we care what anybody thinks that we have to say? I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think of a word that I say tonight. Because I don't trust in people. I trust in God. I'm going to answer to God for every word. And because I'm, I have this microphone, I will be more responsible than you tonight. Every time I pick this up and come up to the front, the fear of, I have the fear of God on me because the Bible says I will have a greater condemnation. In other words, a greater examination of what I said tonight because I'm teaching you. And if I don't teach you if, uh, uh, the way God, who God really is and I'm giving you some placebo, I'll be in trouble. I've got to preach it the way it is. Some people preach it the way it ain't. But it sounds good because they throw some scriptures in the mix and wrap it all up. But I'm telling you, how does it work for you? Hallelujah. So I'm drinking heavily. Lord, I'm trying to preach, but this is even better than preaching, so I'm just going to get it inebriated for a while. So drink. And some people, how do I do it? Well, this is why we're going to take a drink by faith, and if probably most of you have done it with us, we're gonna actually going to make a barrel. You can make a cup if you want. I don't know. And we're going to do it by faith. We're going we're gonna to have an action in the natural realm with our bodies to take a drink by faith. To break, number one, the dignity issue. Because it's, it's uh, you know, children do that. But you know what? You can't get into heaven unless you're like a little child. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Did you get that? Unless you become like a little child. And people go, well, you can't be childish. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. We put childish ways, but he's not talking about that. We, we, we become childish when we take doctrines and we exalt them above God. And, and God ends up becoming a doctrine. Yeah. It's all about eating and drinking. You know what Jesus said? John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking. Man, he must have been skinny. But anyway, he didn't eat much. And what he ate, locusts, honey. But he said, the Son of Man 
came both eating and drinking. And what did people say? He's a glutton and a wine bibber. A wine bibber. I mean, that was really low. <laughs> you think Jesus cared what they thought of him? You think Jesus cared what anybody thought of him except his father? You say, well, you got to have good, I have good people around. I'll tell you what. And they'll tell me, I have a good wife. Meet my wife. Sammy's, Sammy's like, he couldn't even think of doing something wrong because he surely would know before he did it. I remember I was praying one time, and I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. I was upstairs, and Shirley goes, are you thinking about doing so-and-so? I mean, right out of the line, yes, honey, I won't be doing that. It was like, wow. <laughs> but we're almost too careful not to step on people's toes so much. That, now, there's a time, right? There's, there's a time for everything. But there's a time to drink. We don't drink enough. Because it's all about water. It's all about living water. It's all about the well on the inside of you that you got the day that you get saved. Is it overflowing? Or has the devil come in and put a well right beside it and you drink from that? And a lot of Christians do. And I'm going to tell you where that is in the Old Testament. It's amazing. A city, when a city was taken over by another king, they would take perfectly good wells like Abraham's wells and just fill them up with junk, dead animals, just defile them. And then they'd, build, they'd dig their, uh, their own well right beside it. That's what the enemy does. He's after your water. The enemy knows the importance of water and what water is in the kingdom. And it's the first thing he'll attack in a person's life, in their family, and in the church. He'll go for your water. He'll try to get your water. You know that the devil was a water-bound spirit on the earth? The earth was all, it's where he was, it was all water. Everything was water. The enemy's after water. Do you know what his torment is? Dry places. The Bible says when the demon is cast out, it goes into dry places. Why is that bad for a demon? He wants the water. He's looking for water. You say, where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Remember the demoniac? He comes full of demons. Jesus cast them out. They said, let us go into the pigs. So he did. Where'd the pigs go? Into the water. The Bible begins and ends with water. Genesis chapter 1, Holy Spirit hovering over the water. Last chapter of the Bible, Revelation uh, uh, 21, 22, 21, whatever the last chapter is. Out of the throne proceed the river. That's it. Beginning and end. Jesus' ministry began and ended with water. His first sign that he ever did in ministry, he turned water into wine. Last part, of, the last thing he did in his earthly ministry in his body is when the centurion stuck the spear in his side and out came blood and water and it was over. Started and ended with water. Woo! Hallelujah! How do I know that? God told me all this stuff. And said the whole church should know this, but they don't. Including me. I'm not that smart. It's all there. And in between, it's all about water. Why did God bring the children of Israel through the desert? Because there was hardly any water, and God wanted to prove to them he could supply water in the middle of the desert. I was ministering with, we'll take a drink in a minute, but I'll just drinking right now. Oh, I saw it. That foul thing's going to go. Oh, yeah. That foul thing's going to go from Cold Lake. You know, God's going to defeat the spirit of Freemasonry. He's going to defeat it.
through the church. Spirit of Freemasonry. God is going to deal with that thing. I said, God's going to do it. I tell you, I see that every now and then like this. When God is moving the most, I see that. I don't like that. But I'm going to tell you what I do. Preach the word. Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. And God will take care of all that stuff. But because I saw that thing, remember what Bill said, when you see it, you can have it? Ooh, hallelujah. See, this is why, my brother, you're not tainted by any of that stuff that we are as white people, that stinking spirit that affects most of us. And God, there's a purity in the First Nations people, Métis people, Aboriginal people, that God is just going to bring rid of. It's going to be a purity. It's just going to be like a nuclear bomb. You watch. There's stuff in many of our family trees, and even if it isn't, you, you live next door to somebody that probably was. Why am I saying this? Because I saw it. So, Father, I thank you for delivering us from evil. Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, deliver us from our enemies that are too strong for us. That's what David prayed. Lord, deliver us from our enemies. Now, notice I'm not going rebuking the spirit of uh, Freemason. I'm not doing that. David never, never fought when he was under attack one time. When he found out there was an enemy, he hid himself in God. Many, too many intercessors try to take on something before they pray and ask God what to do. So I see it, but I'm going to tell you that God sees that tonight in Jesus' name. And Father, it's not the eye of that thing. It's the eye of God is going to come and destroy that thing. Because the eyes of the Lord rose to and fro. Woo! Hallelujah! I tell you, this is a good night. We just went up another level. If you didn't understand that, that's okay. You don't have to understand it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So I was with Bill Johnson. You know Bill Johnson is? Ever heard of him? From Reading. He's got a church called Bethel. I spent a lot of time with Bill Johnson because I was working in, in a ministry in Abbotsford called uh, Fresh Fire. Anybody ever come to Abbotsford to a Fresh Fire meeting? When I had blonde, blonde hair and looked really good back then. And uh, I was young. And uh, no, I was, they called me the old guy in the ministry. Because Todd was young and everyone else was young and I was the old guy. So, um, why am I talking about that? Anyway, it'll come back to me. <laughs> I just lost my track. It doesn't matter. Just have another drink. It'll come back to me maybe. And if not, who cares? Oh, yeah, Bill Johnson. So, so I, I met Bill a number of times. I tell people I, met, I knew Bill Johnson before he was Bill Johnson. So, but anyway, so, uh, you know, we talk and... And by virtue, you know, you know how I met, all, I met so many of these wonderful people? is because I was the guy that would run, I did like what TJ did, except for big meetings like 1,500, 2,000, all the time, all the time, all the time. And then we traveled all over the states with Todd. And so I was the second banana to Todd. He was like Fred Flintstone, I was Barney, right? <laughs> he, was, he was like the, the Tonight Show, you know, Tonight Show, who's the guy, the, the, the host there? Johnny Carson, I was Ed McMahon, sort of, you know. And, and so um, I, I ended up on the platform because Todd would make me sit there in the afternoon meetings and different meetings. So I was up in the big chairs and there'd be like 1,500 people here and I get to sit by all these wonderful men of God. And they had no one else to talk to, so they talked to me. <laughs> They're pretty cool. And back then for five years, I didn't, I don't know, I hardly preached. I just listened to all these wonderful men of God. And so I got to know Bill, you know, not we weren't good friends, but you know, we were friends at some level. And then uh, I went to a conference, and it was my first conference. 
and uh, in California, my first conference with Bill. So Bill and I are the speakers, so I had to speak first. So I had this glory message all, I mean, I was going to really let it rip and, you know, impress Bill just a little bit, you know, because Ed McMahon, you know, it's like the vice president, you know, when the, pre now, you know, now I can be the, so God said, no, you're going to preach on water. I said, water, come on, water. He goes, yeah, you're preaching your message on water. Well, I hardly ever preach it. And I start with, you know, water, water. And you guys, I went to Southeast Asia. God taught me all the stuff about water that's in water, all the good and the bad stuff that comes out of water around the world. And it's happening. And the water gates, why water gate cities? Gates, gates of water are the most important cities. Why there's so much sin, especially in cities and specific sins that, have, that, that are in ocean ports. And God would show me and tell me the specific spirits and principalities that move because they want the water and they want to guard the waterways. You have no idea the importance of water. The world was not founded or established on land. The Bible says in Psalm 24, God established it on the waters and the rivers. I'm going to read that because some of you are like, come on, yeah? Psalm 24, let's go there. Isn't this good? This was all in the Bible before I said it. So it says, 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Not the land, the waters. Woo! Hallelujah! We thought it was the other way around. Eh. How do I know that? God told me that. Nobody told It was in the Bible. So he tells all of us, but he's like, Charlie, the importance of water. Do you know what, do you know what kind of law every law student studies in Canada? Bet you don't. Do you know what kind of, if I told you some stuff, it would freak you out. You'd probably run right out the door, and I'm not kidding you. If you knew what goes on and how the court system is set up, you'd have no idea. And how, how it's used in the banking system. Legal law is maritime law. So a lawyer studies maritime law. That's what they study. Many lawyers I'm, I talked to, they're like, no, find out, and it is maritime law. That's what a court is. You know what a court is? You approach the bench. What's a bench? It's this thing on a ship that the captain had, and he sat on in judgment of the people. And what was the bar? You passed the bar exam. We just, you, you know, we've heard all that. How many have heard of the bar? What's the bar? It's this thing on a ship that sat there where the accused would go and stand by this railing. The bench was a bench that the captain would sit, and a captain today has the same authority as a judge when they're, in, when they're in international waters. They can marry, bury, and judge people, but usually they don't judge anybody, but they, do, they can. We, I'm telling you. Guess who's over all that stuff? God. The glory of God is over the waters. God speaks over the waters. You know, in the Old Testament, the waters split and they walked through. But in the New Testament, Peter and Jesus walked on it. Jesus had to demonstrate to everything in creation, including the devil, he had authority over water. He walked on the stuff. And when the winds and the waves were moving and rocking and rolling, peace be still. And the water just went. Whoosh. You have more authority than what you think. Because out of your belly, the river will flow. Let's stand up. We're going to take a drink by faith. 
Lest you become like a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen, little girls, three and four years old, will have a tea party with no tea. They'll invite the queen and she ain't there, but that doesn't matter to them. The queen's there for now. They won't even have teacups, they'll pretend. They'll have a tea party. I don't know they did when I was a kid. My sister did anyway. But unless you become like a little child, what do little children like to do more than anything else? Eat, drink, and play. Those three things. I do have a degree, a counseling degree. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I do. Most people are like, this guy's got a degree. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I do. I went to college for six and a half years. Can you imagine that? That should impress you right there. I'm a child care counselor. Yeah, literally, that's what I did. I started the first children's group home in British Columbia ever. I did, and, and, so, and so God taught me. I forget most of it because I, I went there to play basketball and have fun. But anyway, I, they gave me a degree. So, but I, I remember one thing and one thing only from God. I, can, I can't tell you mo most of anything I've learned in books I read, but I remember one thing, even before I got saved, that little children like to do three things more than anything else. They like to eat, they like to drink, and they like to play. And, and, this, and when I got saved, Jesus said, those are the three most important things. Eating, drinking, playing. Oh, and if you don't do it in church, you'll do it in the world. And if you don't teach your children to do it in church, they'll do it in the world. They'll eat in the world, and they'll play in the world. The Bible says, it tells us the book of Corinthians, that when the gold calf, remember the gold calf come? It says the children of Israel sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They did all three things, but they did it with the wrong guy. We need to learn how to enjoy God. And eat, drink, and play especially play. So we're going to play. This pleases God so much, he could hardly handle it. Every time I do this, I can feel God can hardly handle it. You say, God can hardly handle things? Yeah, he can hardly handle how much love he has for you. I mean, when the Holy Spirit in Peterborough, Ontario walked into the room and, I've, and I experienced the pure love of the Holy Spirit for me, and he couldn't wait to get to the meeting, and he'd come up with the idea of patience. He was just the person of the Holy Spirit, he's like a fire. Everything he does has passion. He's amazing. But you know what, like, what he likes to do more than anything else? Play. Yeah. Play. That's why unless you become like a little child, not a child, a little child. Unless you become like a little child. What do little children do? Some can't even tie their shoes, but they can play. You know, I worked at, I, I would look at playgrounds with like 300 kids at elementary school, and I would sit there and marvel how nobody had to teach them to do what they're doing. They all just went out and played. And unless they were really abused or something really was, you know, really wrong with them, they just played. Oh. Some of us have been abused spiritually. A lot of us. And the religious spirit comes in and kicks you around. You, you forget how to play. And men are like, well, I don't need to play. Yeah, but you'll watch some guy throw a football all Sunday, and he'll be playing. you watch him play. You go play golf. The three biggest gods in the Western world three biggest gods that people worship in the Western world, they, you all have to play with them. God told me that. Three biggest ones are music, movies, and sports, and you play all of them. What do you do with music? You play music. What is a movie? It's a screenplay. That's all it is, a play on a screen. It's a screenplay. And sports, you play sports. You play them all. Isn't that amazing? You play music, movies, a screenplay. Our lives, the, the average life in North America the majority of it is taken up in playing. But playing the wrong way because the church does not teach people how to play. 
Holiness movements died in a generation because they didn't know how to play. They thought holiness was no fun. Are you kidding me? You think heaven's going to be dead or fun? Think you're going to be playing in heaven? Well, I don't, yes. I'm telling you who God is and not who he's not. I'm telling you that you have a heavenly father that loves you and just wants to put you on his knee and give you a big hug and kiss you and tell you how much he loves you and tickle you. Good fathers tickle their children and hug them. That's what good fathers do. If God can't give a hug and a tickle to us, we're all in trouble. Come on, what kind of a God do we serve? He's a doctrine then. My father in heaven loves to tickle me. I was in a meeting. Heidi Baker ended up on the floor. I cried till my nose ran. They were in front of, that was the biggest meeting we had in Abbott for 2000. I cried till my nose ran because God said, you're going to Indonesia, Malaysia. I wanted to go to Florida and Hawaii. And I'm like, oh God. And I'm crying because I knew God was sending me. I got up, I cleaned my nose. All these people were here. I was so embarrassed. I said, God, you, and Heidi Baker was on the floor over here and I was a mess over here. I said, God, you made me cry. I said, God, you made me cry in front of all these people. He said, tonight I'm going to come and tickle you in front of all these people. I said, what? He said, I'm going to tickle you in front of all these people. Well, I didn't know God wanted to tickle me. I thought, well, maybe in heaven. You know, who teaches God wants to give him a tickle him? Well, it's in the Bible. He's a good father. That's in the Bible. What does good fathers do? Good fathers tickle the children. Come on. We've made God a doctrine. Not a person. You can't even pray to him like a... Like a person, most people don't. They pray to, you know, God. So I'm sitting up there, Rodney Howard Brown came. You know, Rodney, that's why I was crying. They were playing that song. We're going to play it at the end tonight. I was crying. I love Rodney. And, and I'd, I'd never met him. I'd been to meetings before, years before. So, and that, so in the morning, I'm with Heidi. I'm bawling and squalling, and God says, I'm going to tickle you tonight. In the evening, Rodney comes in. He's preaching. He wasn't there for my mess. He doesn't know me. I'm sitting over in the second row of the big church. I got delegated to the second row because all the who's who and the charismatic zoo showed up, you know, Rick Joyner and all these. So they had the first row. So I'm in the second row. And Rodney is preaching. How many have ever, oh, if you're here last night, the Holy Spirit is in the room tonight. God is moving. And so he's talking. The glory of God just sort of hovering. And all of a sudden he stops, closes his Bible, and he goes like this. And he walks right over to the first row, goes by the first row, goes in between everybody and stands right in front of me, in front of everybody. I'm like, what is he doing? He has his mic like this and he reaches over and goes, and he tickles me. And then he goes back to the pulpit. He goes, God is still moving. And he just kept preaching. I said, God, you tickled me. And you used Rodney Howard Brown to do it. How good is that? You don't think God wants to tickle you? Of course he does. We're going to take a drink by faith forever there, Catsy. Expect to be healed when you drink. God said to the children of Israel of the desert, I will bless your bread and water and take sickness from the midst of you. I will bless your bread and your water. Jesus is the bread of life. And he's also the water of life. So as we drink, I, I believe... The river's going to run through your bodies and heal you, whatever ails you. It can drive metal right out of your body. If you've got pins and screws and stuff, that, the living water can drive that all out. Living water can go through you and hit your family. Living water can go through you and hit your ugly husband that never wants to go to church. I don't mean ugly in the natural. I just mean ugly, ah, this church thing. Who knows about it? You can just run right through him. Kenneth Hagin would say that, so pardon me. I'm not calling your husband ugly, so I hope I don't get any hate mail. But if he is, so well, if the shoe fits, wear it. But anyway, <laughs> come on, let's make a barrel because they're going to drink and become like a little child.
I can take my shoes off. I don't ask, sometimes God, you know, anyway, I don't know. Maybe I just need some air conditioning. My, my socks are pretty clean, so we're good. Father, we just got to take a drink of thy faith from a river that we can't see. Revelation 20, 22, verse 1. You said that the river receives the throne of God, river of life. You know it's, for, it's pure, clear, clean. And verse 17 says, and if you, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And it says, uh, and anyone that thirsts come, let him take freely the water of life, which means without cost and as much as you want. So let's make a barrel. Let's dip it in the river of life by faith. Come on, we can do this. And let's take a drink by faith. Come on, just open your mouth. The Bible says, open your mouth and I will fill it. God, we take a drink by faith from the river of life. Lord, we connect right now with the river of life in heaven. And God, we ask you to come and fill us up with the river of life, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Woo! Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You said if we're thirsty, come to you and drink. We want to do an action in the natural, get rid of some pride maybe, and take a drink. Hallelujah. Keep drinking. Don't stop drinking. You guys, I've drunk people out of so many <laughs> meetings. They just left, got mad. You know, that? who cares? Keep drinking. I've seen so many people heal. I mean, the greatest, mir greatest miracles I've ever seen in healing I, were when I did this. And drank for the river. The river came in. And Jesus visited people himself. And he began to heal people. Because there, everywhere the river flows, there is life. Everywhere the river goes, Ezekiel, there is life. Everywhere the river goes, there's life. The enemies try to stop the river from coming into the church and then out of the church. When the river flows, there's no more dryness. The answer to dry is more water. If you're dry, the answer, more water. If a Christian says, I'm so dry, well, have some more water. You won't be. The devil's supposed to be dry, not you. So, Father, we take a drink. Let's drink for the Presbyterians. Lord, we just dip our barrel in the river. Open up your mouth. Come on. Lord, we drink for the Presbyterians. You know, I've been doing this for years. And I, then I went, to, I went to Korea, and I did it, and nobody laughed. I said, what's going on? They said, we're a Presbyterian church. I said, wow, I've been drinking for you for 10 years. Hallelujah. So let's have a drink. Father, we drink by faith for the Presbyterians. Hallelujah. Here's to the Presbyterians. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet and right out our fingers, fill us with your glory. Fill us. We want to drink some revelation tonight. We want to drink with you. We want to drink. Jesus said, it, it, I sat at the door and knock. If any man opens up the door, what is he going to do? He's going to eat with us. Sup with us, which means eat and drink. Me with you and you with him. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? <laughs> when I drink heavily, my mouth stops working properly. Because he fills my mouth with good things. He's the glory of the lifter of my head. The river is increasing in the room. When the river increases to the point where it goes over your head, your feet can't touch the ground anymore, and you got to go where the river goes. As long as your feet are touching the ground, if it's like waist deep, you can go where you want to go. But when the river goes over your head, you got to go where the river goes. It's out of control. 
When the river flows and you get in the river and it's rivers to swim in, you go where the river goes. That's it. You can't walk in the bottom. So many people, they want their feet at the bottom. And as soon as it starts getting to, no, 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 I'll go to the shallow end. No, go to the deep end. Because that's where the river goes over your head. You got to go where the river goes. That's deep. I said, that's deep. You know what the Bible says? Deep calleth of the deep of the sound of the water spouts. Deep calleth up to deep at the sound of the water spouts or the sound of the waterfall. You know where the sound of the waterfall is? It's not at the top. I've been in Niagara Falls. You go to the top, you don't hear nothing. There's no sound at the top. It just goes like this. But you go to the bottom, and it's very, very, very loud. And when the, when the water from the top comes down from heaven and hits the water on the inside of you, boom, deep calls unto deep. And that's where the mist of God comes. And if you can keep the mist of God, this is coming into the river now. If you can keep the mist of God in your meetings, you will have perpetual revival like they did in Toronto, where it's better on the floor than it is standing up. Why? Because there's about 18 inches of the mist of God that comes, and they kept that mist in their church. Well, it's still there, but it was there for 12 consecutive years. It's not the rains of revival that will keep your revival. The rains of revival bring revival. It's the mist of revival that maintains revival. How do I know that? Jesus told me that. I said, God, where's that in the Bible? He said, Charlie, in the garden before Adam fell, he watered the garden from a mist that came up from under the ground and stayed, not rain. God's perfect way of watering something is not rain. It's the mist. It's the secrets of God. And deep calls unto deep at the sound of the waterfall. When the water here hits the water here, boom, that's where the mist comes up. If you've ever been on the Maid of the Mist, that boat that goes over and you, take, you can take a look, you're in the mist. And what is the mist made of? It's made up of water. That's deep. Because deep calls of the deep at the sound of the waterfall. And then it says, all your waves or billows have come over me, which means it came over my head. All your billows or your billowy waves have gone over me, which means it's over my head. And I'm out of control. We need to be out of control. Are you kidding me? People are like, well, yeah, there's, a, there's something called self-control. That is not the, you know, that's not for you to control the Holy Spirit. Self-control isn't you controlling God. It's you controlling yourself when it comes to sin. That's self-control or other stuff. But the Holy Spirit is here today because you're his prize. You're his catch. You're his big fish. You don't think about that because you think about the lost as the fish. You're a fish too. You're in the boat, but you're a fish. You've just been cleaned. <laughs> and sometimes a clean fish just needs to get back in the water. You just change pools, that's all. The, you got the world over there. So when you get baptized, you go in and you come out and you're done with that water. You're in some other water. You're dead to that water, that, the, the world, waterly, the waterly world. No, the worldly water. You're dead to the worldly water. That's why you get baptized. You, they don't baptize you in salt. You don't get baptized in sand. You get baptized in water. This is God good. Are you getting anything tonight?
I'm just treading water right now. I'm just walking around treading water. Treading water, treading water, my cup is flowing, treading water. No, that's the wrong words. What is it? Running over, running over, my cup is full of running over. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as could be. My cup is full of running over. Do you know why your cup has to run over? Are you still standing? That's good. No, that's really good. Thought it was in Korea for a minute. They, I mean, they'll drink for 50 minutes. But uh, until, God told me, that, he said, Charlie, until a cup is running over, there's still room to put something else in it. But once it's running over, that's it, it's full. Yeah. See, God said, press down, shake it together, and run it over. <laughs> running over, running over. My cup is full of running over since the Lord saved me. I'm as happy as can be. Come on. My cup is... <laughs> Full and running over. Tapes will be on sale after the session tonight for $50. <laughs> no, they won't. They won't. Hallelujah. God is, God is good, right? We're drinking. We are drinking. And it may not look like we're drinking. We are drinking, you guys. It is a spiritual action. It's drinking. Drink. Better than what the world has to give you. I'll tell you, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. In other words, natural, the world naturally can't give you what God can give you. So if it's eating and drinking in the natural, then Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. That means you can eat and drink all that stuff in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Hallelujah! You can drink righteousness? Yes, you can. Yeah, peace, yep. Joy, yeah, you can drink all that stuff. You can eat it too. So it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the cement blocks of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You can eat it. Okay, you may be seated if you can. If you don't want it, that's okay too. I was going to say if you want to stand on the floor, you can too. For those that are floating. <laughs> you say people have floated before? I met the guy. I heard of him on Kenneth Hagin's tapes about this guy. That, that, uh, that, walked, that was on the platform and he was dancing and he walked off the platform. You ever heard of that? And he walked off the platform and, and he, he went way over here and went back on. It was about a four-foot platform. I met him in Indonesia and it was the craziest thing. He was sitting on the front row and I knew that he knew Kenneth Hagin and Oral Roberts. I never met this man before in my life. I never met him before in my life. See, little children, they don't care. You're in my way. I'm going somewhere. So it's... Running over, running over, my cup is full and running over. They used to sing like that in the 40s. I don't know what happened. I have a delayed anointing. <laughs> I, every now and then I, uh, I sing, he poured in the oil and the wine, right? He poured it into the oil and the wine. And, and the first time I did it, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're at Fresh Fire. There's like about 1,500 people. I, told, I said, told the young people, how many have heard he poured in the oil and the wine? Oh, they all put their hand up. It was about 500 kids. I said, it's a brand new song. Oh, well, and we sang it, poured it. They thought it was new. Well, for them, it was new, so. I'm singing a new song. Yeah, you're singing a new song, but God heard it a couple of million years ago, but it's okay. It's a new song for us, right? If that offends you, have a double. Just keep drinking heavily tonight. If you're Mennonite, have a triple. 
If you're Baptist, it's a miracle that you're still here. Thank God you're here. I love the Baptists. I'm almost ready to preach. You know, you guys, uh, I was invited to, to, uh, to Singapore. Was, uh, who was there? Oh, a whole bunch of speakers. We had four meetings a day for like seven days. They had uh, the guy in the robe that looks like Jesus. He's from India. What's his name? Uh, uh, he works at Jedediah sometimes. Uh, Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. I was going to say Sadhu, what's his name? Sadhu Salvin. So he was there and Jedediah was there. And they were all preaching holiness for three and a half days. Hardcore holiness. There was 1,100 people. There was like three or four people from the underground church in China. Many of the people from China had, got, had come to the meetings because they had dreams they had to be there. I met one lady. She had seven dreams she had to be there. How would you get here? Miracles? For three and a half days, they preached hard holiness message. Repent! We need that, that, that message. So, and it was good. I was taking notes. It was really good. And so, I mean, there's not a lot of laughing or joy when that's going on. None, zero. A lot of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, I'm telling you. And those Chinese, they love to cry. They know how to cry. I, I doubt if any of them had laughed more than two minutes in their life, most of them. Because they're under oppression. They're under attack. They're being persecuted. Many had been in jail for their faith. And then plus the people from all over wherever else they were from Asia. So I was taking notes, and I was just about to go out of five minutes before I was going on. And I was going to preach on, um, uh, without holiness, no man can see the Lord. And so God goes, no, you're not preaching on holiness today. I says, well, no, I mean, it's like holiness. He goes, no, 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 you're bringing the glory of God and the joy of the Lord. I said, God, it ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, look at these people. It's like a morgue. It's not happening. They are not happy. It's, I mean, they have just been, I mean, there's weeping and gnashing and wailing. I mean, and it was good. It was whole. It was good. He goes, God, God said, I didn't bring you here to do this. You're going to minister on the glory and the joy. That's your job. So I was making all sorts of notes. And he says, besides that, that's not what the Bible says. I said, wait a minute. Without holiness, no man can see the Lord. God goes, no, the Bible doesn't say that. I said, God. <laughs> we think the Bible says a lot of stuff it doesn't say. Without holiness. That's in the Bible, but it's not what the Bible says. I had to go and read it. The book of Hebrews. It says, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Oh, you can't just go and try to have holiness without pursuing peace with all men. Don't work. That's why holiness movements die. They don't like anybody. If you just preach holiness all the time, you'll end up like John the Baptist. I had a dream that not long ago. There's this church I know, good friends. All they do is have holiness preachers every meeting, 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 meeting. And they had a short revival for a while. But I had a dream and I was yelling at the pastor, stop doing it. We need holiness, but if you do it all the time, you'll end up like John the Baptist. And when I woke up, I thought, well, that's not bad. And I realized, wait a minute, what, what was the end of John the Baptist's life? He sent his disciples and said, are you the one or should we send for another? He, he, that's John the Baptist. Because he was a holiness preacher, but that's all he preached. And when, when, G, when he came eating and drinking, not eating and drinking, and Jesus come eating and drinking, he didn't like it. We need holiness, by the way. I'm going over here just to shock you. You must be holy. But holy, the Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What does holy look, holiness look like? It's beautiful. But you can have holiness and joy. It's not one or the other, it's both. And if you have one or the other, you're in trouble. See, if you just have joy and no holiness, you're in trouble. But you see, we've erred on the other side. Yeah, yeah. You need holiness. You've got to preach of holiness. have to be holy. The Bible says to be holy. Woo! 
Hallelujah. Then I'm telling you, a lot of people today are ending up like John the Baptist because they don't believe in miracles, signs, wonders. They don't think it's God. They say it's of the devil. You better be careful what you say is of the devil. If you don't know what it is, don't talk about it. Jesus, people say, well, I think, sometimes young people, I think I committed the unpardonable sin. Well, I said, did you say that the things that God is doing is of the devil? No, well, then you haven't committed it. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Because the Pharisees said he's a Beelzebub. The miracles he does are from the devil. Jesus said, every, right after, every sin will be forgiven, man. Even against the son of man. But the sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. In this life or life to come. That's pretty direct. You know what it means? When the Holy Spirit, who is, how can I say, God help me, I can never say it right. Do you know that God is very vulnerable? God is very vulnerable. He says, here I am, what do you think? And people kick him, just like they did Jesus, slap him, pull his beard up. They do it today. He does stuff, and they say it's of the devil. He does wonderful miracles because they, they don't understand it. They beat him. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that stones the prophets and kills those that are sent to you. They do it today. A lot of it's on the Internet. God told me about all those guys that write. He said, ignore them all. It doesn't matter what one person writes about you. And then God said this, Charlie, the Pharisees hide behind their good works. But the scribes, you know what the scribes are? They were lawyers that were in charge of writing the law and write. That's what a scribe writes. He, God told me this, the Pharisees hide behind their good works. The scribes hide behind their good words. That's what God told me. Wow. God's pretty good, eh? Yeah. Where was I? I got mad there for a while. Holiness. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to preach on holiness. You guys are going to preach anyway. I wasn't going to preach because God said don't preach. So I thought I'd talk about it a little bit. So I was going to mention holiness. And so Jedediah comes by. He knows nothing. He goes, Charlie, you're not thinking about preaching on holiness. I'm like, no, not me. I'm like, no. And he goes, we didn't bring you here to preach on holiness. We want you to preach on the glory and joy. And I'm like, man, how does he know that? So you know what, you guys? It was a holiness atmosphere, and I love that. I was enjoying the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. We probably need a bit more here in Canada of that. Really, we do. But you see, if all, that's all you see. So anyway, I was like, I had a few notes, and I thought, well, I'll mention it. You ever done that to God? He's talking, he's telling you some stuff, and you're like, you still want to do a little bit over here, so you're like, okay, thanks, God, see ya. You, you, you don't do that. Okay. I'm like, I won't preach on it, but, you know, we'll, we'll call it the preamble before I preach. God's not buying that, right? No. I get up here, and about 10, 10, about 10 feet from the pulpit, I start speaking in tongues really loud, and I cannot speak English. I go, when I did, boom, the power of God hit, and all those Chinese, every, 1,100 people started laughing hysterically, and all those two or 300 Chinese started laughing hysterically all at the same time. I never did a thing except start speaking in tongues. I couldn't speak in English. For about two hours, I stood there and spoke in tongues. And all I could do is go, and they had these cement chairs, and these wonderful Chinese were bouncing down the cement chairs, and they were hitting their heads like bowling balls, and they were piling up. There's big piles of Chinese at, at, at every single aisle at the bottom because it was a theater, right? They would just go down, and they were piled up. And, they were laughing like crazy. And you know what I was thinking the whole time? God, you're messing up my message. And I said, I can't preach holiness. He goes, you're not going to. They needed that for three and a half days. Now give him some joy. Yeah. That's what he said. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. 
In the presence of the Lord is full as of joy. So don't say I'm against holiness preach. I, we need more. But I'm going to tell you something. If it just comes out as a doctrine, it'll do you good for a while. It'll die out. And you know who you won't find in church? Your kids. Now, kids need to be holy, absolutely. They need to be holy. They need to hear good holiness preaching. They can't just, you can't, and you can't just live on what I preach, by the way. You can't just live on what I preach. You need the whole counsel of God. Oh, I got to hurry up. What time is it? I don't have a watch, and that's dangerous. Is that it? Yeah, but it's Sunday. Thank you. Oh, so I was with Bill Johnson. Remember, I was telling that story. I preached on water. Now, when I had met Bill, his actually, actually after a year or two, his, how many don't know who Bill Johnson is? Is it a few people? Okay. So Bill is a pastor of a church of a few thousand people, and he's got a school in Bethel. It's called the Bethel School, I guess. And there's all sorts of wonderful worship teams come out of that there. And, and, um, and so, so I'm preaching. Bill's sitting in the front row. I'm preaching on water, you guys. Now, I had met Bill a number of times, and Bill, Bill's dad got cancer, and so he brought him up for me and taught to pray for him. So we prayed for him a couple of times, and he went through a hard time. His dad passed away. And, and I hadn't seen him, like, for maybe a year since that time. So I'm preaching on water. And I'm thinking, God, I got way better messages like this. I mean, Bill Johnson is sitting here. I mean, I could really, I mean, you know what? You don't, I'm telling you how we think sometimes. I'm just telling you the way it is. We do. Now, I'm not thinking that consciously, but in there, I'm like, wow, I wish, if I really have a stem winder, Bill's like going to go, yeah. Well, he doesn't, he, does, he sits there the whole time like this. I'm thinking, okay. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to care what Bill Johnson thinks. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to preach on water. I, I, so I made my, I'm like, I don't care what Bill Johnson thinks. If he thinks I'm a flake, if he walks away, it doesn't matter. I'm preaching on water. He didn't bat an eyelash. So we went off to the green room after. Sitting down, he comes over. You know, God's good. It, you have to obey God. I don't care. Don't care what people think. We care too much what people think. He said, Charlie, you know my dad died a year ago. Yeah. He said, I cried so many tears. He said, I would just, I cried so much. He said, I couldn't stop crying. And he said, a year ago, he said, God, this week, a year ago, God told me to study the subject of water for the next year, 12 months for the next year. He said, this is the last week. Can you imagine that? He studied the subject of water because he cried so much. It pays to obey God and drink heavily. You know, you know we're, too, we're, we're too affected by what the world thinks and by what Christians think. We're going to stand before God and go, uh-oh. We cared about what our coworkers. You know, I was in school. I, you know, sometimes I think, God, was that me? I just, I didn't care what people thought. I loved them too much. When you love people enough, you don't care what they think anymore. And, and, and I would talk to people. I remember this one kid came up to me and he goes, um, I think I'm gay or something like that. I don't know. I think I am. I'm confused. And, um, no, pardon me, didn't ask me. There was an issue in the class, and the teacher goes, what do you think about it? Pardon me, that didn't, that comes later. And so the teacher asked me, he's not a Christian, and I just started working with him, because I was, I was a teaching assistant and a youth care worker in his class with kids that have issues. He goes, what do you think about the issue? And I said, well, here's what I think. A man's born a man, a woman's born a woman. That's basically it. He goes, you're a bigot, and blah, blah. that's all I said. Now, I'm a hater, and I, well, okay, he didn't like that. But, you know, I don't argue. I love people. Tell him the truth. I got to know that guy very, very well, and he watched my life. You know what that teacher did? That teacher, who wasn't saved, and still, I don't even know if he is saved now. I worked with him for three years or so in the school district in Abbotsford. 
Every new class that he had, he brought me in and he said, this is Charlie Robinson. He's going to share about his evangelical faith for 10 minutes. He said, I'm not a Christian, but I've seen his God help people. Can you imagine the unsaved are giving you a platform? But you know what the greatest thing was that whole year? Was I was sitting at my desk and outside the hallway, a young 14-year-old came up to him and said, I'm struggling. I think I'm gay, but I don't know. What do you think? And I heard him say out of his own mouth, he didn't even know I was sitting on the other side of the wall. I heard that teacher say, he wasn't saved. He said, you know what? I used to believe all sorts of things, but here's what I believe. A man is born a man and a woman's born a woman. You're born a man, you're a man. And the guy goes, thank you very much and left him. I'm like, God, how does that work? That's how it works. You can sign a petition and stand with your, don't stand with a sign and say, God hates this. That's stupid. Love people. We love people. The reason they call us haters, many of us are. We just want to be right, and we have a bunch of doctrines. And because we're right, we think we have a right to whatever. No, we don't. We have a right to love and lay down our life. And to tell the truth in love. Woo! Hallelujah! If you don't like that one, that you really have to, I mean, drink heavily. You need to just jump into the deep end. Lord, I pray that God would throw people into the deep end today. Okay, going to talk about the four cups. You want to hear about the four cups? In a court, four cups in a court, right? Is that how it works? Okay. Are there four cups in a court? Am I right or wrong? I bet most of us forgot that because we use leaders and stuff, right? Us old guys, four cups in a court. That has nothing to do with my message. It was a joke and nobody laughed, but that's okay. I'm getting old. I was trying to figure, I forgot how many courts were in a gallon. I mean, that's how far we've gone with the leader system. Four? Thank you, my brother. Four cups Jesus drank from. You know, there's four cups. First miracle, water and the wine. So he drank two. He was drinking two. It wasn't Kool-Aid, by the way. We're not drinkers, but he didn't drink Kool-Aid. Some people preach that. Well, that wasn't uh, de-alkalized. Give me a break. But anyway. <laughs> but that's not an excuse to drink. Right? But it's not an excuse not to drink. No. I have friends that drink. I have good preachers that I'm telling you, you if you're, they'll rebuke you if you have a glass of anything. Then I have others that will have something. And, and they say, where are you? I'm, we don't. And that's the way we are. But we have lots of friends that do. And you know what? I don't kick them out. Because I'm from Quebec. You'd have to kick everyone out. <laughs> you know what? I don't think my son, to this day, and you can ask him, and I'm pretty sure, has ever had a drink of alcohol. And I never told him not to have a drink ever. Never. But I have a good wife that prays. We want to tell people what to do. Yeah. You know what? You need to learn how to tell people what to do. Just a spoonful of sugar and the medicine goes down. The medicine goes down. The medicine goes down. But I'm a singing machine here. But That was from what movie was that? You're old, too, if you know what movie that's from. Okay, good. Okay, here we go. Okay, four cups. Jesus had a cup of joy. Did you know that? Not Joe, cup of joy. So he drank, for, he, his first miracle was turning water into wine. And the last function that he did with his disciples was what? He, it was a wine of fellowship with the disciples. So, so he starts off with wine. It's amazing, eh? His ministry ends with wine, with the disciples. His earthly ministry ended with, with, the sword, with, with water coming up. But his 
fellowship with the disciples started with wine and ended with wine. Isn't that crazy? I'm not giving anybody a license to drink, by the way. We're at a PAOC church, right? So I could get in trouble. I don't care. Oh, yeah, the pastor's over there. I care. I do. I love PAOC. Too. See, I'm, I'm not going to give you my comment. On what, I'm just saying that we don't. My wife, I think, had a, had a sip of beer when she was 11. That's it. I don't think Sammy's ever had a drink in his life. I'm not bragging on him. I'm really, I'm not. I'm just saying he just has never wanted to. You know why? Because we had righteousness, peace, and joy in the home and a lot of hoota ba dum ba dum ba and he was drinking that all the time. And, he was, and when his friends were going out, he just, he'd never go. He won eight straight MVP tournaments in one year in the highest level of basketball in Canada, which is AAA basketball in British Columbia. He won eight straight MVPs in one year. We won every tournament. He was the MVP of every tournament. I, he broke Steve Nash's records, if you know who he is, in high school. Think about that. But when the team went out the party, every, after, I mean, he's the guy, you guys. He's got the trophy. He's got the, th the whole thing. He's the guy. I mean, other parents would come and, and tell me how great a son I had just by watching him on the court. But after every game, he said, Dad, I'm not going out with the team. I said, Sammy, you're the guy. I'll go with you. He goes, nope. He'd go home, he'd go in his bedroom, and I remember standing outside his door, he'd go in his bedroom, and he'd worship the Lord for like one or two hours. He'd just sing and worship God. I'd sit there and go, God, what kind of a kid did you give me? He refused to drink in the world, and, and he, he spent time with God. But you see, we had to sow. I had to sow a lot of things. I sowed on behalf of my son. I sowed generationally. Because I learned how to sow generationally. I learned, uh, we, and my wife, we learned how to have how to raise up a good son. I had to do it through sowing and rejoicing. One reason the Bible says, Deuteronomy 29, that your children go into captivity is because you did not rejoice in the Lord because of all the things that God has done for you. If you don't have rejoicing and joy in your home, you're in trouble. You can be as holy, look as holy as you want in church, but if you don't have joy in your home, and if your home is not a safe place of peace for your kids, they're going to stray at some level. Yeah, it's not just giving them, you know, the word. Yeah, they need the word. But they need righteousness, peace, and joy. They need to learn how to drink it. Woo! We taught our son how to drink when he was a kid. Glory to God. And he's seen the good, bad, and ugly. He's seen that people fall in ministry right in front of him. I mean, I was, I was with him, though. And, and, and we just say, okay, this is the way it is. Don't judge. Keep going. Do what God tells you to do. Somebody, you know, a 1,000 fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, you keep going. Amen? Okay, Charlie, I will hurry. Probably not, but I'll try. Okay, first cup, water into wine. These are very important. That's what I preach on. So I, my ministry, God told me this is my ministry. Remember the first miracle that Jesus had? It said he, they had six water pots, 20 to 30 gallons each water pot. That's between 120 to 180 gallons of water. Turned into wine for a, a room of people who already drank all the wine there was. Why did God do that? My cup is full and running over. He said, fill up to the top. Remember that? Fill up to the brim. Who did he give it to? They gave it to the master of the feast. That's what God's called me, to be the master of the feast. Uh, a master of the feast. Right up here when I preach, I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not a good preacher. I'm no. And I'm and like... If I'm, if I'm mentoring Bill Prankert in focusing, he's in trouble too. So, like you said last night. What I am, however, tonight I'm operating as a master of the feast. I'm just giving out what God is serving. I'm serving what God has given out. 
So we're drinking. Uh, you know, that's, that's the master of the feast. Said, you saved the best wine to last. Who said that? The master of the feast. Why? Because he drank and went, this is good stuff. And I'm telling you up here, it's really good stuff. So that's the cup that I serve most of the time. That's my job. You need to know which cup you're serving. We don't all serve, but Jesus drank from all four of these cups. That was one of them. The other cup was a cup of fellowship with the disciples. He had a fellowship with the disciples that was more like family than it was ministry. It was more like friendship than it was servanthood. It was. He said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. That was his family when he was on the cross. He said to his mother, behold your son. Said to John, behold your mother. Family. And friends. When you're in a deathbed, who are you thinking about? Well, I wonder if the Pope's the Antichrist. Get rid of that. The guy's filled with the Holy Ghost, so don't worry about that. You say, he, he, people have left churches because they get mad. Stacy Campbell prophesied over the guy that's the Pope. In 2007, I saw the actual, the actual thing that she did, and she told him, you're going to be the Pope. Because he was ministering at a, a Holy Ghost conference. The Pope. We were just with John Arnott. He met with the Pope. He just met, and people, people, some people left their church. You met with the Pope. <laughs> he said they didn't even know. He kept thinking, I don't know, are we even going to see him? I mean, maybe for two minutes he'll shake our hand. So they had him in this outer room, the, the, the Kenneth Copeland, and there was, there was uh, half a dozen people, and they were expecting some guy to come out. Here's what you're going to do before the Pope. You're going to do this. Well, the Pope walks in. He goes, I'm Francis, and he'd shake everybody's hand. Pray for me. Can you imagine that? Pray for me. That's what he's told them. Now, does he have all his ducks in the order? In order, none of us do. But I'm telling you, you know what he does every week? He has this huge Bible study. You know what he gives everybody? The God, this little booklet with the gospel of, uh, uh, with the four gospels, he gives it to every single person that comes. He says, read that. It'll change your life. You guys, we have no idea. Stop, stop talking if you are. Stop talking. Don't believe stuff you read on the internet. There's a lot of stuff that I, I get on Facebook, and they send from one to the other, the other, the other. And they're from onion sites. False news sites, and it all looks real. The Pope said that Adam and Eve wasn't real. We had all these people, and I looked at the source, and I went to, and it's, it's a fake site. And these people are feeding Christians all this information. It's going all over the, everywhere. Now, does the guy have it all together in every area? Nobody does. He's still a Catholic, and he's the Pope. So you got to be the Pope. He's the most disliked guy in the hierarchy of the whole Catholic Church, is the Pope. They don't like him because he's, he's wrecking, their, they're wrecking their party. They had set this table up with all this silverware and everything else. And all the other guys who were eating out of paper plate, the Pope goes over and gets a paper plate. He's eating off that. How does that work? That's my kind of Pope. But anyway, I'm not Catholic, so he ain't. Okay, good. Where'd I, I don't know how I got there. See, he was eating and drinking, so. Okay. There's two other I want to talk about, though. And this is, this is one I want you to be very careful to listen because this is the important. They're all important. Is when Jesus was in the garden. He said, nevertheless... He said, if, if it was possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's the cup of the will of God. Are you willing to drink that? The cup of the will, the cup of, the will of God, I'm going to be quick. We're going to be out of here in 10 minutes. We're going to be done in 10 minutes, and that'll be the biggest miracle of all. Well, I'm going to receive an offering after. So don't leave. We're going to receive an offering. You know what we're going to do? We're going to sow into the generations. You're going to sow into your generations. We're going to do. We're going to take a specific offering. I've never done it before, ever. You're going to sow into your generation. You learn how to sacrifice for your children. 
Not sacrifice your children. Sacrifice for your children. Right? Abraham went up. He thought he was going to kill his son, but he didn't. He did a sacrifice for his children. Isn't that amazing? But God wanted to test him. God tests us. But the testing usually comes at the place of sacrifice and giving, always. But we don't realize it. We just think, ah, it's another offering. And you're like, oh, I'm like, don't think that way. You know, don't. That doesn't mean you have to give in every offering. We don't give in every single offering, but I'm telling you. Sometimes it's a test that comes. Are you going to do it? Are you really going to do it? Are you going to go over the top of this stuff? Are you going to jump into the deep end? You can relax because we're not receiving an offering yet, so that's okay. You can relax. But Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will. Bill said something that is the most important. If I had to distill everything in my ministry and being around Patricia King, Bill, just many, many ministers, and being close, closely related to, to amazing men and women of God, I would say what he said is the most important thing in the Christian life as far as living for God and being sold out, and that is this. Moving out in what God tells you to do before you have all the answers or even all the money. Now, having said that, yes, there are the flaky people that have done it and fallen on their face. And those are the people that the devil will bring in front of you. Well, that guy tried it, didn't work, fell on his face. Or I did this and it didn't work. Listen, my sheep hear my voice. How do you hear his voice? Be a sheep. How do you be a sheep? So, so you know, if you're a sheep, praise God. I mean, if you're a goat, well, have fun. But if you're a sheep, right? You're going to hear his voice. But here's what I'm talking about. In the still, small voice is how God predominantly leads the church. Not through angels, though I've had angelic visitations. Not through the big, audible voice of God. I'm telling you, the still, small voice is the predominant way that God leads the church. It is almost imperceptible. It is so still, quiet, comes so quickly... It comes and it goes very quickly, and you have a millisecond to make a decision whether you're going to do it or not. Most don't. I, I have to tell you, most don't. Because they reverse the order of God instantly. They try to put it into their intellect. It doesn't make sense. Would God say that? Would God use me like that? And they dismiss it. They don't say no. They dismiss it as, oh, that can't be God. Or I don't know if I can do that now. Or I don't have enough money. We do stuff all the time. I, you know, I don't have a church that supports me or one partner. I don't even know how I know it. I don't even know how I do what I do. I just know God does it. We just stepped out. And God said, that's it. And so God just does it. We go to Indonesia, Malaysia. I've been in Indonesia. It'll be my 16th time. I've never paid a ticket. I never asked to go there. I don't know how I get there. I get there. People shake my hands with, with money in it. I go, businessmen give me thousands of dollars all the time. Everywhere I go, I don't even know who they are. They take me out with Jedediah and they, how are you doing, brother? Or a car, and they say, ten, a thousand, I get 10,000, and they just give you money. Well, isn't that great? You say, well, that would be a great life. Yes, but will you step out before you have any of it? Ah, will you step out before you have any of that money? That's the key. I'm telling you, in here, there are people, you have tremendous ministries. But until you make the decision that you're going to step out and go all the way, and until you make the decision, you have no door number two. Ah, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to do this. No, if it doesn't work out, you're going to sink. Oh, that's where Jesus wants you to be. I'm going to sink. When you go off the deep end with God, and you jump off the deep end with God, you go up, not down. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We, we quote it, well, yeah, but today we're going to drink a cup. 
And in that cup is suffering. The biggest suffering that I do, should I tell people? Yes. Is watching my son live by faith with a small family. I could do more for him. I could campaign out there. I could, but I don't because God said, no, it's your son. He's going to do it. I've called him. He's learning, and he watched by faith. He does. He is. Because I know the price and the cost to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Well, he's around all these, you know, players and this and that, but you know the flack that he gets? He, they, they, he was going to Edmonton last time he was in Edmonton. They had this website, Stop Sammy Robinson. That was the website. Yeah. The false prophet is coming, and, and he saw it. You know, he doesn't read this stuff, but he just happened to see it. Isn't that great? Stop Sammy Robinson. But you know what? God's bigger than that, but I'm just sharing. You know why I have confidence in God? Number one, I have confidence in God because I know that I've said, God, not my will, but your will be done. I know that. I, I, there's no plan B. But I know my son said it too, and his wife. That's what gives me confidence. But I also know that I've sown a lot of seed on his behalf. In prayer, in ministry, in life, but also in finances for my son. The, the other cup that Jesus drank from, and this is very important, and then we're done, and then we're going to pray, is the cup of, uh, that, that Jesus drank with the world. The Bible says he ate and drank with sinners. We're, we're in the world, we're not of the world, but you know what? We, we don't know how to relate to sinners many times. Like I said, we're still a fish too. We don't think we are. We think they're the fish. We're going to go fishing because they're the fish. We are too. We're fish too. We just got hooked on Jesus. We need to drink from that cup too and learn how to eat and drink with sinners. That's what I did for 12 years in the school district. You guys, I was around the most wonderful people. Most of them were saved. And you know what? They loved me. Not only liked me, loved me. I just went back to the school and I was at for seven years. And they were coming up and they were hugging me. And none of them were saved. And they said, we miss you. We miss you. And this one lady, and she's as new age as you can get. She was bawling. She said, I miss you, she said, here. Come back. I'm saying that to the glory of God, because I'm not that great a guy, but I have a great God. You know what they missed? They missed me. They missed the presence of God that I brought every day. But I learned how to fellowship with sinners and be bold without being obnoxious. Tell the truth without hating people. Seeing change without trying to change people. I never tried to change my son. I never tried to change my wife. I never tried to change you. God has to do that or it won't happen. But I'm going to tell you tonight, we got four cups. One of the cups that we need more, you know, most is the cup of joy. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do, can I have the ushers come up here? Just come up here and stand here. I'm going to pray over the envelopes. But I want you to do this. We're going to give a sacrifice of joy tonight. You know you can give a sacrifice of joy? You know what people, I've heard preachers preach? Well, the sacrifice of joy is uh, when you have to give and it hurts and you're happy anyway. That's not what it is. So don't do that, say that ever again. That's not the sacrifice of joy. You can give a sacrifice of finances. You can give a sacrifice of time. You can also give a sacrifice of joy.
For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. You realize that for that joy, especially for my son, I know that what he's doing, he's fulfilling the will of God. It's amazing. I'm so happy TJ is a part of the team. I know that it's the Lord. Bobby Connor, man, that guy hears from God. He loves my son the first time he said, he would go, I really like that son, your son. He said, I like you, Charlie, but I really like your son. Bobby tells me that all the time. And then one day he goes, you know, Sammy has his own ministry. I'm like, yeah, Bobby. He goes, Charlie, look at me. And I'm like, yeah. Sammy has his own ministry. I'm like, yes, sir. There's a bad devil out there, so I don't, I don't raise, you, you don't hear me talking too much like this about my son. This is a bad devil. I don't want to raise my son, you know. You know what, it, he's still a bad devil. And so I, I protect my son. Yeah, I don't care who, how high you, you know. My, I want my son to stay under the radar as much as possible. When he comes up, it's only when he has to, and then he, that's how it works. You want to stay up there and be the guy, you'll get your head shot off. What was I talking about? I don't even know. I'm getting drunk again in the spirit. Oh, the four cups. Okay. What's that? The who? Yes, the offering of joy. We're going to give a sacrifice of joy. So we're going to give an offering. That's why the Bible says this, literally. It says, God loves the cheerful giver. It's not just, wow, he's cheerful, that's really good. No, 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 no. The person that can give an offering and a sacrifice of joy at the same time that's where you will be blessed. When I was in Edmonton, TJ was at the church that you were at for a while. When I was there, man, and the worship was out of sight, and the glory was there, and I saw my worship going up to God, and God was collecting it in, in golden bowls, and I was freaking. And I realized for the first time, God actually chooses what he receives in heaven. And God goes, you better be happy that I'm receiving your worship tonight. And he says, and you tell the people, don't take it for granted that they receive any of their worship. He said, I receive their worship when it's a pure heart and when, and when they're really, he said, that's what I, and he says, and tell them I don't receive all they're given either. He says, they can give, but he says, you got to give the way God wants you to give. Can I read this to you? You know what? That's, I, I tell you what, that changed my giving. We think we'll just throw something in the offering. You think God takes all that? No, the church will. We'll take it. But I want God to take your offering tonight. Now, he's not going to burn the money up. But you know what's a sacrifice? He doesn't burn it up, but listen to this. I wrote this down. Hope I can find it. We're in overtime. I thought this was great. I can't even find it, so maybe it wasn't as great as I thought that it was. I usually have one note. Now I have two pages, and I can't find anything. Oh, yeah, the seed. Here are four important things. It's the seed you sow is important. How you sow it's important. When you sow it's important. Where you sow is important. In the world, three out of four works. You know how much the seed, the seed that you're sowing, and when and where. But in the church, and if according to God, it's how you sow it. It's a world. I mean, if they're going to invest, they just invest. But it's how you sow it. It's your heart. Your heart is a key. It's like a tumbler. There's four different numbers. It's like, and if you get all four numbers right, something about the number four. What's going on? Really? If, if you get all, so in other words, how you sow it, where you sow it, when you sow it, and what you sow. Very, very important. It's like, here's where, let's stand up. No, don't stand up. Sorry, I'm sorry. we're going to receive an offering. Here's what I want to do before you get an envelope. I want the glory of God to come on the people of God right now. Father, I pray your glory would come. Anoint them to give. And Lord, as we sow a sacrifice, we're sowing just like Abraham did. When you spared his son, 
Lord, he gave a sacrifice and you provided. Father, I thank you. Lord, even that widow, you know that widow? Remember that widow that had a son and the prophet came by and he said, it's her son, can you, we don't realize, this is her son, her only son. And he says, you know, give me something to eat. She goes, you know what? Something to drink could do that. He, she went and got him water. He says, give me something to eat. He says, we're just going to, we got a little bit. We're going to make some cakes and my son and I are going to eat and we're going to die. How sad is that? How, how sad is that? What if that was your name? I mean, that's sad. So what does is, what is the, the prophet say? Well, here, I'm going to give you some money. No, he says, no, give me some first. He had to sow. You know, who, you know who she was sowing for? Her son. She didn't know it. You know who, he was, who she was sowing for? Her son. She sowed for her son. Because she really probably would have died if he could stay alive. But she knew they didn't have enough. They both eat and he's going to die. Can you imagine that? We're going to sow, you're going to sow for your children tonight. We're going to sow, you guys, we're going to sow into revival. We're going to sow for our kids. We're going to sow a generational, sow it today. We're going to sow it into the glory. So if you can give a whole lot, give a whole lot. Because you're, we're going to sow into, into a voice of revival. And like Bill said last night, you guys, you know, some, we've taken offerings every single service. Some people, you know, and, and, it's, and, and that's one thing we do. But giving, giving tonight is not for, you know, the angels are here. I see the family angels, whatever that is, and they're here. And they're here to receive what you give for your family. And there's many ways you can pray for your family, but sometimes you need to give. You know, you know the centurion? He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he gave and he gave and he gave. And you know what happened because he prayed and he gave? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the angel shows up. Can you imagine an angel shows up? He has a dream. The angel comes. What does the angel say? Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and he's seen your giving. So what happens? He sends Peter. And then what happens? Him and his whole household get saved. That's what I'm talking about tonight. That's that kind of offering. We prayed. We've been praying. Now it's time to give toward that. Not to, this is, it'll go into Revival Canada, but this is, you're sowing on behalf of your family. So if you want an offering envelope, I, everyone should sow something if you can. Put your hand way up. Lord, anoint these offerings, envelopes. When people get them, blast them. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. If you need an offering envelope, put your hand way up. Away you go. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.